to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back, Slutty Scholars. This week's episode is kind of unique. It's like five coaching and education sessions in one hour on things like pleasure, lingerie, kink and BDSM, sex ed, and toys. It features burlesque performer and educator Michelle Lamore, sexologist and sex therapist Dr. Shannon Chavez, professional dominatrix Isabella Sinclair, sex educator Dirty Lola, and the lingerie addict Cora Harrington. We will talk about how to pick underwear and lingerie for whatever body you have, how to pick a sex toy that's for you, how to maximize your pleasure, how to navigate a shy partner in BDSM, and arousal versus desire and lots more they are going to be doing an all-star event coming up on march 20th and you can get involved at intopleasure.com enjoy the episode welcome back to another week of sluts and scholars i'm nicoletta heidegger and i'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist and this week i'm doing something a little bit different um, i have five other humans with me on a zoom screen which is really exciting um, and they have all been brought together by past guest michelle lamore welcome to all of you i'm going to be introducing them as we go through um, but we are here today to talk all about some different realms of pleasure um, so first i want to to invite uh, Michelle Lamore to tell us a little bit about this awesome event that she has coming up called Into Pleasure. Um, welcome, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. This is so exciting. Um, yes, I have a new event coming up called Into Pleasure on March 20th. And what spurred the idea was really the realization last year that pleasure needs to be intentional. And that is a lesson that I learned really hard in 2020, because one of the things that I derive the most pleasure from is spontaneity. And that was the thing that was completely lacking in 2020. So I had to really be intentional about my pleasure and not just sexual, but all of it, like any kind of joy that I could muster, like I had to instigate. It wasn't just going to happen to me. So I learned a lot about pursuing my own pleasure, sexual and otherwise. And, um, you know, at the top of the year, like people usually make resolutions Um, but I like to make themes. So I sat down at the beginning of 2021 and did a bunch of writing and thought about, you know, the things that I've accomplished and the things that I want to accomplish and, and, um, in all different facets of my life. And the theme of pleasure emerged for me at the beginning of the year. And so, that's why I wanted to do this event is to bring all these great people together and to also really come at pleasure from different angles. I really liked what you said about making it intentional. That's something I use with clients, but I call it scheduling spontaneity. Um, and maybe I'll uh, steal your wording if that's okay with you. Cause whenever people hear the word schedule, they get really pissed off about it when it comes to sex. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was definitely that way. I mean, because my, my career is 
sexual based, right? Like I'm out providing pleasure and sexual entertainment for people, but it was kind of like, oh, I don't want to bring this home with me. You know, it was like, I'm busy producing shows and pleasure and entertainment for all the other people. The last thing I want to do is produce it or schedule it for myself. Right. So that's been a long lesson for me to learn, but um, yeah, scheduling or being intentional about pleasure and joy is just as important as, you know, scheduling your workouts in the morning. What has it shifted for you to be more intentional about it? Experiencing this year and um, really knowing that I'm deserving of it, right? That's part of pleasure and accepting pleasure and joy is knowing that you're worth that, you know? And, And having that joy is something that I've really had to grapple with like like the idea of gaiety isn't really natural to me like I'm the oldest child I'm a responsible person and you know I'm always producing fun and joy for other people so I'm always the one in charge and not really partaking in the things that I'm giving to other people oh I so relate to that (laughs) right like so in doing that I began to resent that life. Like I I began to resent my stage life because that's where my pleasure and my energy and my joy was going. And then I had nothing left for myself. So, you know, 2020, it was like, all right, well, those things are gone. So I'm really just learning how to tune into my own joy, which is a really vulnerable thing, but it's so great. And I know that one of the ways you've been practicing that uh, is one of your classes that you've shared with me, and it's called Look Down There. Um, and I'd love to hear a little more about what that, what that is and maybe how that fits into maximizing your pleasure potential. Yeah. So um, the class that you're talking about might be Pussy Confidence, um, but Look Down There is my podcast that I do now with some of these guests who have been on the shows, which has been great, but, um, look down there was really, thank you for correcting me. It's hard to keep track of all the amazing stuff that you do. So yes, look down there is the podcast. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, but really it's an, it's an initiative to decrease shame and increase the self-love of vulva owners in particular. Um, we carry so much shame around our parts and I am no exception to that. Um, I definitely hated my vulva for a long time. You know, it was like, oh, I don't look, I don't look like the girls in the movies. You know, it was like my, you know, my lips are present and I, I like to say my lips will kiss you back. Um, so and not, I, I mean your mouth lips too, but we're talking labia lips for listeners tuning yes, in. Absolutely. So, um, it's like in, in learning to love that and grabbing a mirror and looking down there, um, can really heal a lot. And so I, I wanted to do something to help spread the word and have a show where we talk about all the things that we don't talk about or we can talk about our confidence issues or like our growth and our journey, because a lot of times we can just look at each other and think, Oh, they've got it all together. Like it's so easy for them. And it's like, no, like we struggle too. Right. And so let's, let's come together in, in this and talk about it honestly. 
And like you said, it sounds like for you to be able to love and accept yourself and give yourself permission to have that space for pleasure kind of started with looking down there, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And really just exploring without having a goal um, and not being like, well, you know, I've got 30 seconds to come. Let's put this on high blast. (laughs) I got stuff to do. Which is Um, like sometimes what you need, but that's not all the time. Right. Totally. And like 2020, I had so much time. So like I I had a lot of time to just explore and enjoy and like do it without pressure. Nice. I love it. Okay. So I am so excited for folks to attend this. How can they, how can they find it? How can they sign up before we dive into some of the other awesome speakers? Yeah, just go to intopleasure.com. It's happening on March 20th and um, it's a full day event, but you can register for individual classes or you can register for the full event at a discount. Today, I added a friends with benefits deal so you can double your pleasure. Um, So you can bring a friend and get even more savings and... Now with even more pleasure, I added a digital gift bag full of wonderful goodies from a lot of our sponsors. Nice. I mean, that's, that's really the only reason why people go to events is for the gift bag. So (laughs) yeah, I know, but it's like, well, I can't mail you a bunch of buttons and stickers. So what can I do (laughs) that will work for you in this time? So, um, yeah, it's really, it's really a, a good package. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. So you have some amazing speakers. Um, One that I would love to start with since we're talking about some body stuff um, is Cora Harrington. Cora, would you mind introducing yourself and uh, what you do? Yeah, my name is Cora Harrington. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of The Laundry Addict, which is the world's leading publication dedicated to intimate apparel. Um, And what I do is examine the world of lingerie through the lens of fashion, culture, history, But I also try to make it a more accessible place because I think when a lot of people hear the word lingerie, they immediately think it's exclusionary. They immediately think it's not for them. They immediately think of it as a performance for someone else where they're the object and not the subject. And so much of what I try to do is to make intimate apparel something, excuse me, something that feels um, accessible and possible for anyone who wants to try it. Mm, Yeah. So, I mean... I love hearing what you said. And I think for a lot of folks, sometimes hearing, oh, great, this is laundry that's for me, um, isn't enough to like convince us in our bodies that it is for us. Um, so how do you get to a place of, I guess, finding and feeling like lingerie and looking sexy is for you? Well, so for me, lingerie isn't just about looking sexy. I think it's about um, expressing who you are. Um, I think the power of lingerie is that it lets you be your truest self in a way that you're not always able to be with your outerwear, with your clothing. It lets you be who you really are. And for some people, that is a more sexual side of themselves. But for some people, it's just a way to, to indulge themselves, to treat themselves, to treasure themselves. Um, and so very much a focus of what I do is also helping people to think, I think, beyond just sexual pleasure, but to also kind of incorporate sensual pleasure and to um, think about how to include lingerie in their lives beyond just a sexual goal or focus. And when I'm talking to my readers or to my followers about how to integrate that into their lives, 
I, I tell them that one, it takes practice. We have to, to practice unlearning and undoing a lot of the messages we receive about ourselves and about our bodies and about the priority, like where on the priority list our well-being and our health should go on it. And that takes practice. But I also encourage people to give themselves room and permission to one, explore and two, to indulge, to treat themselves, to not feel like they need to wait for a special occasion or to wait for a partner or that they don't deserve something nice. I think we all deserve beautiful things. We all deserve to feel good in a way that's meaningful to us. Um, and I think lingerie, I think intimate apparel can do a lot for that. And it seems like you have a company that really tries to make it not just accessible for bodies, but accessible like financially too, like you said, so that it can be something for everyone and not just a luxury. Right. And there, there are so many, so many ways to wear laundry. There are so many aspects to it, so many tiers. And I think for anyone that wants to get into this world, there's never been a better time. There have never been more sizes. There have never been more styles, more brands, more fabrics, more ways to access what you want. Um, so I, I think it's a really exciting time for people who want to enter this particular world. And, and I think especially with most of us being at home with it for the last year, it's also been a great opportunity to explore what you actually like without having to worry about what other people think of you in it because we're just not seeing anybody. So you can buy a thing and experiment with it and try a thing um, in the safety of your own home or, or with you know, the people that are around you with your intimates um, and really figure out your own tastes and interests, which I think is something else many of us don't get an opportunity to do is to figure out what we genuinely like and what we genuinely are into without being told what we should like, if that makes sense. Mm. This one's more of a logistical question and maybe it's just a selfish question for me, but how do we make sure that we're getting stuff that fits us now that we can't go and try things on? And not just that fits, I would say size wise, but that also fits and makes us feel good and confident when we're wearing it. Um, since we're mostly buying stuff online now, like how do we do that without breaking the bank? Well, a lot of people don't like when I say this, but I, I really try not to lie, and, and this is the truth, is that there is no shortcut to figuring out what works for you. Um, there's no shortcut to figuring out what size or what brand or what style you're going to like best. You just have to try stuff on. Um, I, even though I'm an expert, I can't dictate people's styles or taste to them. I can't tell people, if you wear this, this is what you're going to love. If you wear this, this is what's going to make you feel sexy. If you wear this... Like, this is going to make your day. Personally, like, I'm a fan of a silk caftan, but that might not be everybody's thing. So what I, what I encourage people to do, that's why I encourage people to give themselves room to explore and to try um, as far as quality. And that's that, knowing, that's that practice component you were talking about. Right, right. Because I think it takes time to learn your taste. It takes time to learn what you're into. And, and that's applicable in lots of areas of life, of course, not just with lingerie. Um, but if you're searching for options, obviously, I think my site's a great place to go, thelaundryaddict.com. But you want to look for reviews. You want to, often websites have review sections. You want to scroll through there and see what people are saying. You want to search for reviews. Um, for my site in particular, we don't accept sample products from companies to review. All reviews are purchased, all review items are purchased by myself or by um, my writer, which helps us to give fair and unbiased reviews to our readers, because I think that's what we owe to them. Um, so I think you just ask people and then you buy from places with really good um, return policies. So that if you get something and it's not for you, you can send it back and try again. I, I recommend Nordstrom for that in particular. They've always had a really flexible return policy. Of, of course, because it's lingerie, like don't get something and trash it and try to return it. Like a lot of people will buy a thing 
and then they send it back and there's I want to say like procedures or maybe that's the best way to say it <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you're a really wet person put a little line an extra liner down when you're trying it on you're like don't do that um but yeah I, I mean try different brands different styles different sizes there, there are always I think I don't want to say guidelines there, there are introduction points like I give a guide to how to fit yourself or how to figure out your bra size in my book but that's a starting point you might find that you prefer a higher band size or you might prefer a tighter fit you might find that you prefer a balconette over a full cup um, you might find that you like short pajamas over long pajamas so they're, they're all starting points but what counts is that one you have access to the options which is what's really great about the internet um, and that two you give your space you give yourself space to try things on, even if they're not things that you've been told you can wear or told you should. For first-time buyers, then what would you say are some like first tips and advice then of how to practice feeling good in that space to buy some of this stuff? Like you were saying, it really takes practice. So what are some kind of like self-love, self-appreciation tips that you really think also help with that practice? I'm a big fan of people starting out with what I, what I consider to be kind of like an entry level. And I, I think in particular, loungewear is very good for that. Um, caftans, pajamas, robes, that sort of thing. And it also fits with our lifestyle right now because many of us are at home. They're size flexible. Um, they're available from a wide range of retailers. They're available at a wide range of price points. It's something that, because people often kind of cite the price for lingerie for why they don't think it's worth purchasing. And something like a robe is you wear it at home, you wear it when you get out of the shower, you wear it before you go to bed at night. The cost per wear of a really nice robe is very low. Like you'll get your use out of it over time. So that's something that I recommend as an intro point because I think it takes the focus off of like having to look at your body or having to look sexy, which is a point of, um, not frustration, maybe like a point of stress for a lot of people. Also, how do you think it's shifted your own confidence then to, to find things that work for you and that you like? And when you're wearing like a good piece of lingerie uh, that you really enjoy, how has it shifted the way you view yourself, the way you show up on a day to day? I, so I, I worked from home even before the pandemic, which means most of what I wear on a day to day basis is loungewear. Like I'm wearing a velvet caftan right now, which is what I wear to work. Um, so for me, lingerie or loungewear intimates um, is a way to ensure my own comfort and a way for me to feel like the best version of myself so that I don't have to think about what I'm wearing. Um, and when we're talking about things like bra fit or lingerie, I mean, to me, the value of a well-fitting bra isn't that it like makes your waist look smaller or makes your tits higher, your bosom higher, I'm sorry. Um, although that's really great. But for a lot of people, the value of a well-fitting bra is that they can just live their life and not think about their bra. So that, and that kind of goes back to like where we're talking about like priorities or our ways to approach um, that world of intimate apparel. Like what is your priority? What do you most want out of that piece? Do you want something that you put on and forget? Do you want something that feels really sensual and indulgent when you get home in the evening? Do you want something that's like easy to throw in the washing machine after you get baby food on it? And I think all of those are valid reasons and valid entry points and valid ways to approach the topic because at the end of the day, it's all about what makes you feel good. Thank you for that. And you can definitely say tits uh, on the podcast. 
at least I appreciate that. And I've, I have personally been looking, I I'm a pretty chesty person. I'm a curvy gal and uh, it's been really hard to find ones that like fit all of the needs. And so I'm still kind of searching. So I'm going to have to check out your site and do some more practice and exploration to uh, find my right fit. Cause it's either like jabbing me in the side or, you know, I got the side boob all over the place. Maybe that's just like my life, but um, yeah, there, there are definitely so many brands. I think the issue is that most people just don't know where their options are. Um, and that's honestly the fault of a lot of these lingerie brands because they suck at advertising. I don't know why they don't want more customers, but you know, they don't pay me to consult with them. Um, but there, there are, there really are for almost everybody. Um, and I feel confident saying that for almost everybody, there is a brand out there somewhere making the thing that you want that will fit you well because there are like thousands of brands all doing really cool stuff. So there's something out there. It's the legwork though, that's difficult. And then it's also kind of the figuring out what particular, what specifically works for you that's difficult, which can be a high barrier to entry because like returns and all that takes money. But I, I would hope that the silver lining is there's never been a better time than right now for you to find something that you'll really like. Yeah, and I honestly, I haven't worn underwear in... God, I don't even know. I mean, I've worn a bra, but like bottom underwear. I haven't worn it in years, I think. <laughs> I like to say that I only wear it when I know I'm going to take it off. <laughs> so like I only pick my underwear when it's like something sexy or whatever that I, not even just for a partner, but for myself where I know I'm not going to have to wear it for too long. So it's just like an embellishment and adornment. Otherwise, like, no. And meanwhile, like I'm a big fan of like silk underwear, like give me like all silk all the time. It's so soft. Um, so yeah, like you, your preference is to not, not wear it unless you want to pay attention to it. And my preference is to wear it and not pay attention to it. So, and that kind of gets into, into what I'm talking about with like your preferences yeah. and finding what you like. Well, before I go on to the next person, I'd love to do a little round robin and ask all of, uh, all of my guests today what your preferred underwear style is, <laughs> if you're willing to share. <laughs> uh, Michelle, what's your preferred underwear and yes, for what? I, I am definitely an underwear person. Remember the lips I was talking about? Like, I can't just have them out and like chafing. It's not fun. Um, so yeah, I do, I do like, like a nice little package like a cupping um yeah I I like to wear I really love stripper underwear like a whole bunch like really like like really small g-string g's <laughs> like really small like the smallest I can get I love <laughs> what do you like about it um I don't know like I love the colors and I love um I love like the thinness of the straps Mm. And like, because they're made for dancers, like they really keep things in, you know what I mean? There's yeah, no, so like minimum right? coverage, maximum, uh, maximum effort. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, they're made for like hard use. <laughs> the, the, that quality price ratio is. <laughs> oh yeah. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Amazing. Great. Okay. Um, Dirty Lola is also here who I haven't introduced yet and we'll, we'll get to the important stuff. Uh, well, this is the important stuff. What's your preferred underwear style? <laughs> um, my day to day, I love a good cotton, but not, I needed to be cute. So like a cheeky cut or like a 
boy, I always think I like boy shortcut and then I get them and I don't like the way they fit, but I love a good cheeky, like your butt hangs out a little bit mm. and they fit like on your hips the right way. I love that. that. And then my dress up undies are, uh, I won't say the brand, but there's the only thong I wear and it's the retro throng thong because it looks like a pair of regular lacy underwear, but then it has a thong, but I don't, I can't do strings. I'm fat. It's not happening. I know what you're talking about. They, yeah. They turn into <laughs> floss. This is like nice. And you get like a panel and it's cute. And then you still get the whole thong in the back and it's perfect. So those are my two, two underwear. I oscillate between. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have a fat ass too, and my underwear, my butt eats most underwear. So <laughs> sounds sounds like I have to check that one out. <laughs> and I like it, classic, uh, classic good girl cotton. I kind of like to call it because I had a I had a dom one time who was like called it good girl cotton. So it's just absorbent. Like I have a fat pussy and it sweats, and so cotton is like the most comfortable because it, it's yeah. like functional. It absorbs it. It's great. Yeah, you want to prevent those yeast infections. Get yeah. it. Great. Right. <laughs> okay. Shannon, what's your preferred underwear? You know, I'm all across the spectrum. I'll do a I'll do a boy brief. I'll do cotton. I'll I would say, you know, definitely not the G-string thongs though, because I, I feel like uh function before fashion when it comes to underwear. <laughs> and during this pandemic, it's been no underwear. I've been living in leggings and just uh what you can see, it's comfortable completely. So, yeah. Nice. Okay, Isabella. I have the butt that eats underwear. I learned that early on, and I hated having the crack attack where I was constantly pulling things out of my butt. So I started wearing thong, like, at 18 years old. And I've never worn anything else really but a thong. Um, so my everyday wear is just a simple cotton thong and a comfortable bra. I hate wearing a bra, but when my boobs started getting big enough that I knew I had to start wearing them, um, I hated it because I was always like pulling down at them or the straps would fall down. So getting everything adjusted right was always such a pain in the ass. So I find one bra that fits right and I get five of them and I wear them until they, I can't wear them anymore. I toss them. I go find another bra that fits right. They're usually always black. Um, when I am working in sessions, I prefer body suits. I like the corseted body suits. Um, I like coverage. I don't like my midriff showing. I don't offer any nudity when I do sessions. So I also don't like my midriff showing because it makes me feel too naked. <laughs> um, so never bra panty, but usually always something corseted or like body suit ish. So those Love are my go-to. Okay. And since I have you on before, before I have you mute back up. Um, so you are going to be talking a bit at, uh, at this upcoming event about kink and BDSM. Um, and so I've definitely talked a lot about kink and BDSM on the podcast, but I would love to know how you feel like kink and BDSM can enhance our pleasure and, and expand possibilities. I think still sometimes when people hear BDSM, they think like, discomfort and not pleasure and not pleasure or it's hard to it's hard to think it's pleasurable because they think like whips and chains which for some people is pleasurable but how have you found that it can really enhance our pleasure potential i have tried to break the stigma that this is just about pain um from the beginning it's a it's it's about pleasure everything is about pleasure and if your pleasure is pain then that's something that um that happens during a scene but scenes don't have to be painful 
I think um, when I explain BDSM, particularly to couples, like this is your one opportunity to let the other person drive. There's one person that's driving the car. They're going to take you everywhere. You obviously discuss your interests and your limitations, what you don't want to happen, what you really like. With a trusted partner, um, you don't even have to discuss that because they kind of already know where your pleasure points are, hopefully. Um, but it's about you know just kind of letting go and letting the other person drive, take you where, you know, tease you, torment you, torture you if that's part of it. But it's never um, not pleasurable if you're doing it right. Love that. And one question I get from a lot of my clients and listeners is I have a lot of folks who, you know, started in a relationship, maybe they weren't aware of like kink and BDSM or their interest in it when they first got into the relationship. And then they start feeling like, okay, this is something I want to explore. This is something I want to do. Um, And they have a partner who is down, but isn't experienced and is shy Mm -hmm. about it. Um, And this I have found at least for clients has been especially frustrating for folks who feel a bit more on the like submissive side of things who want their maybe dominant partner to be confident. Do you have any advice for folks who are with a shy partner and how to maybe support each other to, to get those needs met, to explore that stuff while also kind of respecting roles? I like to train people to, to know how to use the equipment first. Your confidence comes from knowing how to work the tools. It's like anything. If you have more confidence about what, what your skill set is, then you're going to be able to emulate that confidence without even realizing you're doing it. So whenever I train people, we don't even talk about the psychology of it. I just go through each of the tools. This is how this works. This is how, you know, this is how you don't want to do it. And then um, that builds the confidence. But, BDSM, particularly when one person is into it and the other person is not really sure they're into it or like is open to it, it's intimidating because of the fact that there's so many stigmas associated with it. Um, There's a fear factor that's involved and a lot of people are afraid of being too vulnerable and letting too much out. So uh, when I yeah, do... Yeah, or being bad, being bad at it, disappointing yeah, your partner. Being bad at it is like, you know, not swinging the whip right, especially like, okay, so I have the female or the male experienced sub who will go see a first time dom or a new dom and they're constantly barking, you know, like you're doing it wrong. Like I, I trained a couple that was like this recently and she was the sub and she was very experienced and I was trying to teach him how to flog her. And she just like snapped back at him. You, you hit me, you hit me too high. And the way she did it was so condescending that I was like, okay, hold on a second. If you want him to be the one to whip you, then you have to work with him at it without making him feel incapable of, of giving you what you need. And, and so we just had that moment because I could see him immediately. Like he didn't want to hit her wrong. It wasn't his intention. So the second she like snapped back at him, he just kind of froze and didn't want to continue doing it. And, uh, and I think that happens a lot in play if one person is more experienced than the other. The, the idea is to teach them how you like it. You know, like grow with that person. Like if you have the experience, then you get to 
basically guide the play in a way that's pleasurable to you without having to, you know, do too much exploration and finding out what you don't like. That's great. You can just tell them what you want and then they learn those things. And then maybe they'll start realizing that they're into things and try to incorporate that play in with you. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because of the fact that it can be very intimidating when you see all of these tools and you don't know how to use them right and practice and learn and take classes and hire professionals to teach you. And, um, you know, all those things are just, you know, increasing your skill set builds your confidence, I think, in anything. And of course, I want folks to feel like they can speak up, obviously, if something is painful or they need to, you know, whatever, a safe word, a check-in, of course, is essential. And um, what are some tips you have on how to do that without it being like a barking order that makes your partner not want to continue that exploration? It's just a communication style. Like, I don't use safe words anymore. I used to um, when I was when I was young, but I didn't like the um, the limitations of that. I wanted to be able to read the person. Some of the things when you're starting to play with people, you can ask how it feels. Do you think you can take more? Would you like to take more? Um, I feel like I want to give you a hard one. Can I, is it okay if I hit you a little harder? Can I spank you harder? And just that communication. There are a lot of people that use the words, you know, like yellow, red, green. Um, Starting out, if you don't know your partner, those are great, but I just tell people to get in, involved with your partner, like communicate with them constantly through the whole thing and don't rely necessarily on those words because a lot of submissives are afraid of not pleasing their person. So they won't use those words anyway, even if it's something that maybe is pushing them a little too far. They just don't want to say stop if they think the other person is having a good time. So as the top, You don't necessarily have to rely on those safe words. You can just ask, I want to hit you harder. Is this okay? It's not that they're dictating the session at that point. It's just basic communication. And the more you get to play with somebody, the more you understand what they can take. And if they're a stoic type of person who isn't going to uh, say a safe word or is getting pushed too far to the point where it might be triggering and traumatic, which has happened, you know, in scenes, But I just think the more you communicate with somebody, your partner, the easier it is to start reading them. And eventually you'll start reading the body, the sweating, the heavy breathing, the wetness, the, you know, men are very easy to read. They have the barometer that's between their legs. When they're excited, it's hard. (laughs) When they're not excited, it's soft. Women are a little harder to read. And I think people get intimidated by playing with women because they don't know if they enjoy it as much as it is when we play with men. And I've seen that when I play with women, I have female clients too. And it's always like, a they're usually more stoic. They are quieter. Yeah, so it's trying to read them. So I just communicate with them. This episode is all about enhancing and exploring our pleasure potentials. One way to do that, if you have a vagina, is to explore what some people call your G-spot, a collection of nerves inside and upwards towards the back of the clitoral structure. Some people even say it's part of the clitoris. Either way, if you are someone who likes this area stimulated, or you want to see if it's for you, check out Oh My G. Right now, Oh My G is offering Sluts and Scholars listeners 30% off when you go to Iobatory 
www.oh-my-g-toys.com and enter code S&S at checkout. The Oh My G is a super silent internal G-spot massager for bodies with the vagina. The unique massaging pearl mimics that come hither motion, the exact same motion as if you're using your fingers to hit the spot, only a lot less work. I'm a huge fan of this tool for myself and it allows me to have both hands for other stimulation. It has a nice C-shaped curve and has three different settings to play with. It's 100% body safe, FDA approved silicone. And if you don't enjoy internal stimulation, it can also function as a wonderful external stimulator. Right now, Oh My G is offering Sluts and Scholars listeners 30% off when you go to iobatoys.com and enter code S&S at checkout. That's iobatoys.com and use promo code S&S to get 30% off of your Oh My G. That offer is also in our episode description, iobatoys.com slash S and S. And once you're done warming up with the Oh My G, moisturize yourself with some Uber Lube. Right now, they're offering listeners a special offer of 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S and S at uberlube.com. Uber Lube is a luxurious high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. Unfortunately, since Uberlube is a silicone lube, this doesn't always work well with silicone toys like the Oh My G, but it is great for lots of other kinds of play and stimulation. Uberlube lets you feel what you want to feel, and you are in control of how long it lasts. Uberlube offers long-lasting performance when you want it, then quickly dissipates without leaving a sticky residue. It feels like a nice moisturizer when you're finished, and a lot of people say that they never knew lube could feel that good and natural, and a lot of people actually report loving it on their body and not feeling like they need to wash it off afterwards. And right now they're offering Sluts and Scholars listeners a special offer of 10% off and free shipping when you use my code S&S at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use S&S at uberlube.com. Now back to the episode. It sounds like you're kind of turning it into almost like that instead of having like a one-time sex education birds and the bees taught the talk instead you're like let's have this be an ongoing conversation you know an ongoing safe safe word an ongoing conversation safety the one well and bdsm isn't usually something that just like is a uh it's not the first thing you pull out of the tool bag when you meet a new person usually people have sex Usually one person, the person who's into it is afraid to just kind of let that out the first time. So you get to know people intimately, um, typically before BDSM ever gets introduced to it. Rarely have I ever seen a situation where someone just like, we're going to play tonight. And both parties are like, yeah, let's do that. Like, I think um, it's definitely not the initial. Uh, are you saying that Fifty Shades of Grey is not accurate? <laughs> um it's a fantasy I think I think people have that fantasy um but yeah I don't think it's definitely it's definitely not the bible the blueprint of how we do things yes fantasy um maybe not the best place to learn but definitely a fantasy for some people the one part about that and I'd actually love to open it up maybe to the rest of y'all before we you know before I get to Lola and Shannon but um something that I've been working on a lot I guess in with couples and with individuals is helping them understand the difference between arousal and desire. 
Um, so arousal is more the, the body response. So like you were saying, the barometer between the legs, uh, the sweating, the temperature and all that stuff. And sometimes we can have physical arousal, um, but not have the desire. And so how do we kind of keep tabs on a potential partner while also knowing that sometimes physical arousal does not mean yes, or physical desire or physical arousal does not mean that they're desiring the thing to happen. Any thoughts on that for, for any of the group? I don't know. That's a complicated one because I've never experienced that. Normally, if I'm aroused by something, I'm like, okay, let's try it. Cause there's something, mm-hmm. but I've always been very sexually open-minded about things. And I also, um, I've always had long-term partners. So it wasn't like I could ever, I could always say like, that's kind of got me hot. Let's do that. So I, I don't know. I'm, that would be a tough one. Yeah. I, I think like what Isabella was saying, communication is probably the most important part of all of this, right? Like really learning how to access your desires and, and know how to talk about it. Right. So that's part, that's part of the idea of pleasure. It's like, yeah, we can have desires, but maybe we don't actually know what it is that we want or how to communicate that. One of the things speaking personally for me is that I don't tend to, um, I need, I need here first. I need head first. That's I lead with mental. Um, it's very rare that arousal is a thing that comes first. And so, um, if I'm blocked up here in my head, it's just not going to happen. And when you have a long distance partner who you're seeing, that time is valuable. So one of the things that we've communicated or I've communicated with him is like, I need you to press me. And we actually do use a safe word just because he needs to know when I, I will say no and not mean no. And he needs to know when I mean no. Um, and so we have a thing is like, but it's not even me being playful. It's just, I will be willful because I'm tired, I'm burnt out or whatever. And he needs to get through those blocks. So I'm like, until I say the word, the word that needs leave me the fuck alone, <laughs> like keep pressing. And then he usually, it gets me there and I'm always happy I got to the other side. But if it, if I let, leave myself up to my own devices, a lot of times we wouldn't even have sex because I get so, I'm tired, I'm working too much, um, like now we work from home and all these things. And then we did see each other. I was working and he's very spontaneous and, and was happy that we were sharing space. So he'd get up between clients and be like, quick. And I'm like, I'm typing. I can't do a thing. And he would pull me away. It's like, but you didn't say the thing. So I'm going right. to just keep pressing and, or, and he would go, wait, but wait, you said that a lot. Do you really want to go back to work or do you want to fuck on this kitchen counter? And then I'm like, okay, we can fuck on this kitchen counter. So it, it is knowing, but it also took me being able to communicate with him. Like, it's not that I'm not turned on by you or into you. I just have a lot that I put blocks up for myself and I need you to help me get through those. But that, that was me needing to know that about myself too. That was, I don't think he could have, he's a therapist, but I don't think he could have figured that out on his own. It would have taken a long time and I would have gotten mad at him about therapizing me. So <laughs> to bring that to him. Nice. Well, and a lot of this, I think could be hopefully help couples and partnerships and individuals to be able to have healthier relationships if they had had some better sex education um, earlier on. And so um, Shannon, I would love for you to introduce yourself and say, uh, you know, a little bit about what you do and what you're going to be talking about at the upcoming event. 
Yes. So I am a sex therapist, sex educator, sexologist, all things sex. And, uh, you know, I have a private practice. My model is coaching, education, and therapy because so many people coming in with sexual concerns don't necessarily need intensive therapy. So much of the work that I do is just giving people skills, giving them a space to talk about it. And that's what I'm going to be focusing on and into pleasure, the talk, talking about sex, the the information that we don't receive yet we feel we should innately know when it comes to our sexuality. And that's probably my favorite part about being a therapist is the learning because I'm always learning new things as well. You know, what is this? Or getting curious or even shocked, surprised around sex. So I try to give people that same experience. You know, can we learn about sex and get excited about it, break down the shame, feel curious, open, without judgment, even if you don't want to do that thing? Or as we talked about fantasy, if it's not something that you ever want to act out, can you enjoy the experience of using your sexuality and your creative imagination when it comes to thinking about or conceptualizing pleasure. So I I hope to give people all the the ins and outs of, uh, you know, what we should know about our bodies, feeling comfortable talking about it, what communication skills are effective with asking for what you need or, or being able to communicate to someone else what your boundaries are, what you enjoy. And, uh, you know, just giving people, a, a guideline on how to have that conversation. Have you had any really surprising experiences with clients about misinformation they've been given where you're like, wow, I can't believe that that's what you've been taught. And obviously that's why you're not having good sex. You would not believe the misinformation myths or, you know, just expectations or things that people feel, you know, I should be doing this. And I think all of that leads to feeling like something's wrong with your functioning. It's all over the place from how many times a week people should be having sex to what masturbation should be like. So it's, it's all across the board, but there's... How often do long-term couples think they should be having sex? Because I often get people who are like, we've been together 10 years, we should be having sex every day and I'm like who the fuck is having like at least penetrative sex every day like and you're comparing yourself to that not that hey if you're doing it that's great but it's a that's like a high bar to uh compare yourself to especially right. can I have some of that energy you know yeah, especially if you're only defining sex as, <laughs> as penetration Exactly. You know, it's all over the place, but I think, you know, I've heard some couples worry about, you know, daily sex. We're only having sex once a day to others feeling that, you know, once a week is a big goal to shoot for. So I try to focus on quality. If you're having a quality experience, then you don't need to focus on the frequency around sex and, you know, what satiates you, what feels good for you. I know I could have one great experience and feel, you know, good for a while. And it's not about, you know, frequency or pressure. It's just about enjoying where you're at. And it changes a lot. I mean, that, we go through so much in our bodies that it changes constantly. So I try to get people to think about the flow and change and to not get too attached to how things were or what everyone else is doing, but to just enjoy wherever you're at in that moment with your own flow. Probably one of the biggest uh, misinformation pieces I've had is people with penises coming in and saying that they suffer from premature ejaculation, which I don't even like to call it that. I like to call it, you know, coming before you want to. And they'll come in and say, you know, I'm, I'm having premature ejaculation. And I'll be like, well, what, how long, like, what does that mean to you? And they'll be like, I don't know, like 20 minutes. (laughs) 
And I'm like, there's a lot of people who don't want to be fucked for 20 minutes, um, you know? And so they really think that that's like premature based on what they've learned or their lack of sex education. I agree. I mean, there's so, I've heard people say, um, similar things, you know, the duration and time, I'm not lasting long enough. I mean, what is the enough? Where do these standards come from? And I always like to give people the fact, the average penetrative sex intercourse is about five minutes on average. So it's not this big marathon that we think it is. So I think it's helpful to give these facts because people will say, really, that's it? Okay. So I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not abnormal. I'm actually then they feel confident about themselves. I'm actually lasting longer than I thought. So I think it's good to just give people a, a range so they don't feel that there's one way to do things or this is how it should be, but that there, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. It depends on your mood, your hormones, how you're feeling, what's going on in your life. There's so many factors that affect our desire, our energy levels, our motivation towards sex. What are some of the top things that you think you see in at least in partnerships that are pretty normal that people think are not normal? Being sexless, you know, going through stages where you're just not feeling motivated towards sex. I think there's this idea that there's something wrong, but there's times where you go through periods of not feeling that motivated towards sex. So as long as you're talking about it and you're addressing it in your relationship, I don't think it's a problem. I think when you're avoiding that conversation or you feel a lot of shame around it and you don't know how to talk about it, it becomes a bigger problem. But it's common. You know, we're given this expectation that we're supposed to feel sexual all the time. I don't think that's the case. It's part of our expression, but I I think that we're more sensual beings. You know, we focus on many different ways to receive pleasure. One of the ways I define libido is our, our life force, our libidinal energy. We put it towards many things, not just sex. So it's about letting people know what other things are bringing you pleasure. What are you doing in your life outside of just sex that that feels good for you. And sometimes hearing that makes them feel, okay, I'm actually not that far off or it's not as big of a problem as I thought it was. Mm. And accessing that libidinal energy, it sounds like we can get there, obviously, from all the things that our guests have talked about so far. Like for Cora, you were talking about wearing lingerie and wearing things that, you know, bring that energy for you. And, and Isabella, you're talking about doing kink play to elicit that fun and, and energy and erotic space. Um, so it can come from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. I mean, I always recommend sensual things, music, dance, play, any playfulness, because pleasure comes from play. And I think as adults, we don't give ourselves enough permission to play, get silly, you know, even to think about sex as a really playful kind of messy space that there's so much perfection around it. You know, we have to, it has to be, it has to look perfect. It has to go really smooth. And there's just no room for any play or, uh, you know, freedom to just be where you are where you're at. So I do try to encourage people to bring in different elements that feel like your personality. I'm a big music lover. So I always encourage people bring music in. What are you listening to? So many people I work with say it's so silent and awkward and we're just focusing on noises or things in the room and it just, it feels weird. And sometimes I'll say, you know, sex is weird. You know, we make weird noises. Our bodies do weird things. Does that have to be something that we uh, you know, feel less erotic around or can we, uh, you know, eroticize the weirdness of sex and have a little fun with it? Well, one of the ways that I 
like to play or have liked to play since I was younger is toys. Um, and so for that, I want to invite Dirty Lola to the proverbial stage. Um, I know you've been here a couple times before, but in case we have some first time listeners, who are you? What do you do? Um, I'm a sex educator performer and I call myself a dildo slinger, which means I sell sex toys. I've been working in sex toys, how long? Seven years now? My God, it's been been a long time. Um, And I work at a small sex shop in Brooklyn called Shag. And I've been working with brands like B-Vibe, Spencer's, who put out a really nice line of sex toys this year, um, as well as other sex toy brands. So I've gotten pretty familiar with toys over the years. And what I'm bringing to the table for this event is I'm going to be talking to folks about um, shopping for toys and finding things and understanding them a little better. And I love, Cora, listening to you talk because that's exactly how I try to sell sex toys. I think people really get locked into this like what's the best my friend told me to buy that and I'm like you and your friend don't have the same pussy I mean unless you you take it out of a box and y'all share it it's not it's not the same and what's going to work for you is not going to work for someone else and I blame sex in the city because they did that whole rabbit rabbit (laughs) yes for getting that on the market right like yes opening more people up to going shopping, but they really kind of put this thought in people's heads that like, there's four different women and they all like the same toy. I hate rabbits. I hate them. I hate that particular style because it's like a Ferris wheel ride. They light up some of them. They twirl, they vibrate. They're la- they can be loud. I mean, there's so many new ones now that are. And I wish all listeners could see because we got a bunch of other folks in the group being like, I don't fucking like yeah, it. Cause they're a lot. And it's even, and I do like, I like to have things in my holes while I'm playing with my clip, but I rather have two, three toys working instead of like one. It's just <laughs> annoying to me but some people love it but I'm my goal is to help people discover what works for them and what they like and that I can't tell you that I hate when people say what's popular I won't tell people I'm like that's relative people look at me funny but in the sex shop but I'm like oh that's relative they're like no but what do you sell the most of I'm like what week you glamour puts out an article cosmo puts out an article and a sex toy will be pop in for two weeks right now everybody wants this rose that nobody in sex shop world can find because it's from china it's not necessarily a toy by a brand we all know it's just a mock-up which which happens right like china they make a lot of people's white label toys and so they're which means like a there's a bunch of shapes out there available. And if you want to put your name on it and maybe give it some specs like colors and different motors, you can, but they'll do that for you. And that's kind of what this is. So somebody saw a picture of it and now everybody's like, where do I get this? We're all joking that it's not real. And somebody made it, but it's, it's popular and everybody wants it. And it probably sucks. Who if, And literally it's supposed to suck, but it probably sucks. It's probably not great. But people want it because it's in front of their faces. But that's why products like Lalo, everybody gravitates. And it's not that they're a bad brand. The thing is, is that it's in everybody's face. They're a brand that has the money to be in everybody's face. So people know them and everybody has a friend who owns a Lalo who loves it. 
and they send them into the store to buy a $300 vibrator. And I can't in good conscience. I'm like, I'm not selling this to you until we walk through some things because this is a lot of money. And I don't want you to remember my face and that I sold you this vibrator that you hate that cost $289. Like, I'm just not going to do it. So I'm, I try to walk people through what it is they like. And a lot of people don't know. So that's kind of what we're going to do in my classes, like walk people through the different things you look for. Like, do you know, do you even know how you orgasm? Like, do you know what makes you come? Um, do you need external? Do you need internal? Um, are you looking for something for one hole and not the other? Are you interested in G spot? Are you interested in, you know, the perimeter of your clit and not direct clitoral stimulation? These and are what if, questions. what if they're like, I have no idea. Right. And so I'm like, okay, so let's find you something like, where would you want to start? And I, and that's what it comes down to because everybody wants you to find them this magical toy. And I'm like, I can't promise you're going to go home and come. Like, I really wish I could, but I can't promise that. So what I can do is set you up with a toy that's not going to break the bank because if you spend 30 bucks and you get home and you hate it, it's $30, whatever, um, versus $200, you're going to be really angry. So I'm like, let's find something that maybe you can use for both. Or if you want to concentrate on just clitoral. Sometimes we move to like, well, how do you want to use this? Uh, and a lot of people will be like, well, for masturbation or, oh, this is going to be for partner sex. And I'm like, okay, so let's find something small that you can use uh, in different positions and, and different things. And I try to go through that. It's There's usually one or two of those questions that will pain for someone and it gets them to like, oh, okay. And we can narrow it down. I've had people who I've gotten so many sex toy virgins from literal, I've never had sex in my life. I'm not planning on having sex anytime soon with a person. I want a vibrator to, hi, I'm 18. I used to go to the high school across the street. I've been waiting to come into your store. I get, I love that. And they're like, hi, and I can be here now. And I want a vibrator to, hi, I'm 65 and divorced. And I've never owned a sex toy. And I want to own a sex toy. And also I want lube. And we get a lot of those. So it's a lot of walking people through things they've never thought about, um, you know, talking to Michelle about people not looking at their clits and not knowing where things are and a lot of making the hand vulva, as I call it, because I'm like, okay, this is where your clit is and these are your outer labia and trying to walk and you see their faces like, I don't know and trying not to get frustrated because I'm like, why don't you know where your labia are? <laughs> I just want you to know. So yeah, that's, it's sad. I just taught a class for the um, Department of Children Family Services. I, I do their human sexuality training for social workers. And um, most of the people in the 30, 40 person training had never seen the full body of the clitoris before. Mm -hmm. And none of that. Nope, I mean, people yeah. don't get this information. No, <laughs> I had they're... a woman tell me she thought she had a prostate and was like, really? she had a prostate so then we had to talk about like well g spots and prostates are similar tissue and when you you know when your body when you formed into you know um the genitals you have it became a g spot instead of a prostate like we have to have those conversations but there's people who just walk around with snippets of information that aren't right 
It's so you know, funny how, I'm sorry that you're saying no, all this. It's just like, it's the same way in lingerie where people have all these preconceived notions. They want you to show them the perfect thing that their friend has. Yep. They want to know, they, they want you to tell them like right out of the gate, buy this, this will be perfect for you. You're great. Yep. Um, so it's just funny to me hearing you say all this and being like, yeah, this very much parallels what happens in my industry as well. I was shaking my head the whole time you were talking. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it's it's everybody wants this magic. And it's like you have to make your own magic. And part of that magic is figuring stuff out and you have to buy things. You know, you can have more than one vibrator. Like you're not who told you you could only have one. I'm like, I have a drawer full like a literal drawer that's full of nothing but sex toys and it's partly because I'm in the business but also like I would I would always buy stuff because I want I want to try things out and and I'm like you're gonna learn what you like like I have a couple things that I love like my magic wand literally hangs on a hook on my bed you can't see it because I have the background blurred but it's hanging off of a hook on my, the side of my bed because I don't put it away because it's my most used. And then I have other toys that are at the front of the drawer so I can open it when I'm in bed and like pull out what I want. But then I have other things for when I'm with partners, when I'm being kinky, like there's always these things that you're, you you want to change up. I have smaller versions of the things I love because I travel a lot and I got tired of trying to pack a magic wand and an overnight bag <laughs> all the time. So, you know, so it's it's also opening people up to this idea that sex toys are not like your microwave. Like people like to look at sex toys. Like they look at like major appliances in a way, like they're like, Oh, the microwave microwaves. And it, and yes, nicer microwaves do a little bit more, but all microwaves microwave. Yeah. But not all sex toys are like that. Like there there's 30 bullets and you might get a bullet that costs like $80 and it sucks. And you might buy a bullet that's $26 and it's the most amazing thing you've ever put on your clit. You're not going to know until you try it out and ask questions and like hold it in your hand and touch it. And that's one of the things that even with Corona, we've been able to still allow people like we have people who sanitize their hands and uh, we have wipes that at the after everybody people leave. I like go and I wipe down all the products and because it's important for people to touch and feel and kind of get an idea um, or even giving people language around things like, oh, this is buzzy and rumbly. And they're like. What does that mean? I'm like, okay, so buzzy is like surface and sharp, but not in a bad way. Like it's just really, you're going to feel it. It's going to be right there. And rumbly is going to be deeper and internal. And then we talk about like the internal click and things like that. So you're giving people all this language that my hope is that they keep because it's the same thing with lingerie. It's like once you know your bra size and you know your silhouettes, like then you can like move and go like, like oh, like I know when stuff's not going to look good on me even if I've never shopped the brain I'm like I don't normally exactly. look great in that but I know this is but this this silhouette is great for me and so you, I can translate it into other places so that's what I'm trying to get people into that mindset that like sex toys are not one size fits all it's you kind of got to go for your sizing because we all like Michelle taught you talked about your your lips and I have like a fat pussy like that in itself has challenges when it comes to sex toys and the way things are made. And a lot of the wearable vibes, like panty vibes, are not my friends because my clit is like 
way back behind my outer labia and she's shy as fuck and she's like i don't want to do it i'm not coming out and so (laughs) she does like all those wearable things she's like what are you doing i'm not coming out so she needs something that's um a lot of pressure and and doing that but it took me a long time and thinking that sex toys are one size fit all really contributed to me feeling broken for the better part of my 20s because I was buying things that people were like, this is the most amazing. And I'd get home and it wouldn't fit my body. It wouldn't work. I cried a lot. I was like, I, you know, this is clearly me. I faked a lot of orgasms because I thought I was broken and I thought this is my life for the rest of my life. And so it took a lot of learning that stuff. But once you find the toy that like the day I found the magic wand, People and it's not for everybody. And I tell people that I'm like, it will sandpaper your clit off if you're a person who does not like a lot of sensation. If you're really sensitive, don't buy it because you'll die. <laughs> Got some people nodding in the group. Yes, because it's a lot. But I and even for me who I like it, like the the classic, the old school one only had two settings and it was fucking oh fuck. And I never could put it on oh fuck because it was just too much. Like I do it and I'd be like, no. And I have the newer version now that actually has a low and sometimes I use it. But even moving away from that, like learning like, okay, now I know what else could work for me and not getting locked into I can only use this um, and teaching myself how to like not be in that rut and find things that work for me that can still give me pleasure. Um, but also realizing like, oh yeah, this didn't work. It doesn't mean I'm broken. It just means it's not the right toy for me. So I, that's what I want people to take, um, away when they visit the shop, hopefully with this, this workshop is like, now you have all this language. Now you're going to know your silhouette. You'll have a better idea, or at least you'll go in to a shop. And when they ask you questions, you'll know what's coming. So you'll be able to answer them. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, that's the important thing. And it sounds like the thing that really is bringing this into pleasure series all together is just the invitation for like self-exploration and self-discovery yeah. and like finding the right fit for yourself. And um, I guess in that honor fine. of that, uh, no, no pressure, but I'd love to hear for whomever in the group wants to share what has been the most pleasurable experience you've ever had. <laughs> and that could be, you know, sex, sex adjacent, non-sexual. I mean, on the podcast, I really often just encourage folks to expand their definition of pleasure and of sex. Um, so that could be like, one time I sat by myself in the park and ate a donut and that was the most pleasurable thing I've ever done. Um, I would say for me, probably, um, I'm thinking of it right now because I'm staying at my folks place and they have like a big hill in their backyard. And this was in high school when I had like just started having penetrative sex. And, um, I remember I was fucking my high school boyfriend on the lawn, uh, in the backyard. And, um, I'm not usually one to, you know, orgasm just from penetration, but because of the angle of the, of the grass lawn, I was like on top and I was just, I don't know. I was shocked. I was shook. And so like that, and then it was like real windy out at night. And so like the breeze on my nipples and like the angle of the grass um, and like the crickets chirping, it was like all the stuff together was like, it still stands out in my mind of like, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. That sounds really beautiful. Was that your first time? No, no, it was not my first time, but it was definitely early on where I was like, oh, this, 
Uh, I mean, I've definitely had pleasurable experiences since then. Um, and I would say it was like the first time where I was like, okay, I can really, I really enjoy this. And there's a lot of capacity to enjoy this more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess something that happened in the pandemic, which was really fun was, um, like I got, I put out candles and I dressed up in a, um, crotchless bodysuit um and put on heels and like makeup and all that stuff like just for me and I masturbated in front of a mirror like like leaning up against my husband it was pretty great and he was just there for support literally literally (laughs) yeah fuck yeah (laughs) I have two I have two things one is the basically it was the moment I think I realized and thankfully this came really young. Um, it was with an older man. How old was I? God damn. 18, 19. And he was a not my college professor because I did not go to Columbia, but he was a college professor. And <laughs> somebody's professor. Him, somebody's professor, not mine, but I met him through a friend, my a friend, my first girlfriend who I think they were dating, but then she basically had brought him to meet me because she's like, I think you'd like each other. And we went to the movies, but he was the first time, like I had like not sex sex, but for hours. And it was in a loft bed in an Upper East Side apartment. And we just hung out all night talking and he would just intermittently touch me and do things. And, and we never had like what we, you know, penetrative sex, but it was the longest sex session. And I was like, wait, what? You are not going to like, you're not going to hump me. You know, I was so used at, at like 18, 19, you're so used to like a certain kind of sex. So that was like my introduction to like, oh, this can be sex. And it doesn't have to be like what everybody else calls sex. And it's so fucking satisfying and hot that I still think about it today. I still use that at spank bank material. And then non-sexy, but very pleasurable moment that Michelle, you talking about spontaneity made me think of. And it was during the, it's been during the pandemic recently. I had an eye doctor appointment and it put me in the village. And so I was- Oh, I thought it was going to be the eye doctor appointment. (laughs) No. Okay, everybody on the team. No, I had had an eye doctor appointment. One or two. One or two. One or two. It wasn't even sexy. He's not even cute, my eye doctor. Can't even fantasize about him. But I left and I went to the park and I hadn't been to Washington Square Park in forever. Also, I hadn't really been outside doing something enjoyable since the pandemic happened. And I was near the park and I they just started playing music and it's a park I love to be in. And I just sat and listened. And then I remembered a friend lived nearby. And then I remembered the shop we like to eat at. And I, I was like, I'm going to go get lunch and 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 bring them i'm gonna call them and then see if they'll like if they have a basket i texted literally like do you have a basket and a rope and they're like what kinky shit are you up to and i'm like no 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 i want to give you food but i don't want to make you come outside and they were like fuck that i'm coming outside and i like went and got our favorite food from our place and we six feet apart like got to see each other hadn't seen each other and then i took my food and i sat in the park and i listened to music and it was this really wonderful unplanned and I felt so 
it felt like sex. And I was like, because all these, all my senses, like I hadn't been around people. I hadn't been outside in a way that wasn't running, like going to the grocery store and coming back home. And it was just really this appreciation of, of just everything. Like all, everything was buzzing. I'm pretty, I had a really good masturbation session that night, but it was really just my body like, oh my God, this is so good. (laughs) I had that kind of high that you get when you meet somebody new. It was that kind of feeling of like, oh, the outdoors, man. <laughs> Yo, I get that. I masturbated once on a hike by my, by my, well, I was with a group and then I came back early cause I had something to do. And like, maybe I've got a thing for nature. I'm, I really am like a tree fucker. I was like coming back from the hike and like the wind and it was like this flowery meadow and this cool view. And I was like, I'm turned on by the nature right now. And I just like laid on a stump, like in this clearing and fucking rubbed one out in nature. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I get it. Anybody else have a good one they are willing to share? I don't know. Like I'm thinking about it. I'm like, am I the most boring person in the world sexually? Um, (laughs) I think not. (laughs) If you follow, if anyone here has followed your work, I would, I would think they might be thinking that about themselves when looking at you. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Well, when Michelle was talking earlier and she was saying that she's the person who always provides it for everyone else, mm. you know, I'm, um, I'm always driving. I want everybody else to see the sights and I'm the one that's like navigating to where they need to go. But does that um, bring you pleasure? It does, but it's like, it, it's not a sexual pleasure for me. It's definitely a pleasure, but it's like a, um, it's the psychological high. It's a high of seeing people open up and explore things that I'm able to provide for them, that I'm able to teach them or give them something because people shut off that. My clients, particularly are men. Um, they shut off that side because, you know, society has told them they can't be submissive. Uh, and so when they're able to be submissive and they're able to open up to somebody and feel that sense of trust that makes me feel great because I'm seeing the deepest, darkest part of someone's recesses that they, you know, in their brain that they don't share with anyone, but yet they trust me with it. Um, so that, that is exciting, but it's a different kind of arousal than a sexual arousal. But when you were but talking it's, about, but, but nature, it's pleasurable in some way, it's pleasurable. Cause I, I mean, I've been doing it for 27 years. So, and, and I could do anything. So if it wasn't pleasurable for me, I would have bailed out a long time ago. I think that the, seven-year itch is usually when people get out of the scene you know it's like a seven-year cycle of people that are in the industry um so i've gone through a few cycles and been able to hold my own and still enjoy it but the nature thing i think the most freeing pleasurable experience i've ever had was in puerto rico about 20 years ago the first time that i ever went skinny dipping in the ocean yeah i'd only ever been to public beaches so you couldn't and never a nudist beach so i was never able to just you know get naked and be free and i was there with a group of friends um the only guy that was with us was a gay guy so i didn't feel this like sexual tension with him because that was another thing like i don't like being ogled by people i'm a very modest person i don't even like if i have a bathing suit on at a pool i don't like taking my clothes off even if i have a bathing suit on underneath because i don't like people watching so i mean i could never I admire Michelle so much and other people who are able to do that because it seems so liberating and free. 
but I felt comfortable with my group of people and I just shed everything and ran into the ocean and it was warm. It was in July and it was so warm and it was nighttime and I'm staring up at the stars and everything is just like ah, flying around in the waves and it was the most beautiful experience. And when it was done, it was just, we laid on still naked, all of us on our pallets with the fire and there was nobody else on the beach. It was such a freeing moment that um, for me being a control freak and also being so modest, it was very uh, pinnacle in that like moment of pleasure. I can tell that I'm like miss traveling in nature because I'm like tearing up as you're <laughs> describing this story. I'm like, oh, I can feel the warm water. I know. Right. <laughs> maybe nature's just turning all of us on right now because it feels like so distant i'm like i'm literally tearing up at this like beautiful story really yeah <laughs> thank you isabella <laughs> cora do you have one you like to share or no, not so much i mean i think one of the best things i ever did was um when i was younger and probably 15, 12, 15 years ago now, um, I backpacked across Europe and it was um, like an incredibly central experience, not a sexual experience, um, but being able to see so many things and taste so many things and try so many things um, was just very enriching to me and opened my world up a lot. And I came back a very different person. I grew up um, in central Georgia, so not really like a metropolitan area or whatever. Um, and it felt like if I came back feeling like a new person who was suddenly aware of this world that existed, I'd never been exposed to. And I still think about, um, like I'm, I still recreate like the sensations I had, like the first time I had a particular like pastry or cake or a cup of chocolate or a cup of tea and just kind of being able, sometimes I sit and kind of like meditate on the things I did and particularly like the things I ate because I really enjoy eating. Um, so that's mostly what I think about. Um, and I mean, for me, that was, I mean, I think that was the most pleasurable experience that I've, one of the most that I've had to date. Yeah. These are all, it, it's all like slowed down when I hear all of these, you know, it's all about like sensation and really leaning into those different sensations in our body. And, um, thank you all so much for, for being here. Um, anything else that any of you would like to share with our listeners about, about you, about what you're working on, about the event coming up, any last tips for, uh, for pleasure preparation? Well, I, I am super excited to work with all of you. I am thrilled at the level and depth of your knowledge and like, so excited to share these different layers of pleasure with people. And my hope is that we can really give people some new tools to access their pleasure and some new, some new knowledge on how to talk about it and how to communicate about it and really get in touch with their desires, whether they be sensual or sexual and, and preferably, you know, both sexual should be sensual. And also, I um, found out today that one of my toy makers, her name is St. Leather, she wants to donate a um, duster, a flogger for my class that I can raffle off during the class. It's a very good beginner toy. It's sensual. It's easy to use. And um, so I'm going to be hopefully giving people tools, but then someone a tool. <laughs> That's so exciting. Fun. Awesome. 
Well, thank you all so much for being here. So many wonderful things. And thank you listeners again for tuning in. Um, if you want to follow what I'm doing uh, at Sluts and Scholars, you can find me on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. Uh, go check out Into Pleasure and our wonderful guests, Michelle Lamore, Isabella Sinclair, Cora Harrington, Dirty Lola, and Dr. Shannon Chavez. And I will see you all next week. Thank you.